Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table, discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. That's right. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron, you're up this week. Uh What have you brought to the table today? I have brought a talk, a lecture uh, from the Socialism 2022 conference by Robin D.G. Kelly called Freedom Dreams and the Socialist Project. Yes. Uh, It's based on his book called Freedom Dreams, which um, they just released a 20th anniversary edition of um, where it it sort of expanded and and, um, there's a couple more things added. Yeah, exciting stuff. Um, Yeah. And so... He, through the lecture, talks uh, walks through several different ideas around socialism, um, the ways that his it has shown up in black radical movement spaces, mm-hmm. um, either purposefully um, through like study of, you know, Marx and other stuff, um, or more naturally based on the cooperation present in the movement um, and the way that they worked together. So he talked about some tensions present in different perspectives of socialism. He talked about reparations. Uh, he talked about some of the the radical history in Chicago. Mm, He also mm -hmm. answered some really great questions from the audience. Um, So I really enjoyed this lecture, this talk, um, and then also appreciated moments where you could see him sort of adding in additional context to his written remarks and then coming back to the written remarks. And so there was sort of this, um, I don't know, musical nature to the way that he Mm. did it, where he, he would come back to, you know, the melody to the to the prepared remarks, but then also find these moments to add in solos or fills or whatever. Well, that was beautiful. Um, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what did you think? What was stood out to you? Uh, yeah. this? Absolutely. Well, yeah, this was a really great and informative talk. And I love that you brought up the Q&A because I thought mm-hmm. the Q&A was fantastic. Uh, but, um, you know, Robin D.G. Kelly is definitely just one of the most accomplished and distinguished historians and academics of our time, I would say. And so it was just incredible to get to hear him give this talk at this conference and um, make this performance as you, (laughs) as you Mm -hmm. described. I think, you know, for me, there was so much that I learned and grappled with and appreciated in this talk. And I think one of the things that I appreciated the most was the work he did to talk us through some of the rich history of socialism in places like Chicago, like you mentioned, um, and throughout the country and even internationally too. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think in particular, I really appreciated the naming of the intersections of socialism with things like racism and anti-racism work and with sexism and feminism and politics and and sort of political engagement, right? Um, Mm -hmm. With things like capitalism and of course, internationalization and labor movement work, right? Um, I mean, the the list goes on and on, right? And so I just think there's so much history and so much to learn from the intersections of socialism and all of these other things that he talked about at at the conference. Um, And it just made me really excited to continue my learning work, right? Mm, because mm-hmm. I, you know, and um, I sent you a message about this. Like, there were moments when I first watched this, I had to watch it twice, uh, where I struggled with some of the content. I had to yeah. like pause and rewind and listen again. Um, and, you know, and it helped me identify some gaps in my own knowledge and my own learning. So, yeah. I'm really excited to continue to learn from Dr. Kelly and others engaged in this work. 
Yeah, agree. I think it was. Um, well, I think you described it mm. as like, oh, I'm, a, I'm like a first year student in a grad class. Yeah, like, y'all have done a lot of work to get to this point, and I haven't yet. Yeah, um, so I there was studying. Yeah, there were some moments like that too, where I'm like, I don't know, I don't know all of what you just said, yes. but um, it was still, I think, really enlightening, and, and I really appreciated it. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned he talked about Chicago. Um, that was. Um, w- one of the first moments in the in the talk where I was like, "This is really great." Yes, um, because he grounded his talk in the histories of Chicago radical movements. Mm-hmm. Um, so he talked about the Chicago PD, one of being one of the largest, oldest, and most violent urban gangs in America. Yes, which is specifically referencing and calling out the torture regime of John Burge, mm-hmm. um, and by extension, the sort of activism work of shutting that down and getting reparations for the people who were tortured by the Chicago PD. Absolutely. Um, We talked about the radical organizations that exist in Chicago currently, like Project NIA, BYP 100, We Charge Genocide, Asada's Daughters, Let Us Breathe Collective, and more. Um, And then he also mentioned some of the history in forms of organizations and people like John Reed Clubs, uh, Richard Wright, Gwendolyn Brooks, Willie Mae Reed, Chicago Chicago Women's Liberation Union, the Black Panther Party under Fred Hampton. Yes. You know, and he specifically says that the Black Panther Party in Chicago is likely the most important socialist organization in the history of Chicago, Mm. which I think also uh, is an important perspective to take because of the ways that, um, and this is kind of a theme in the talk and in the Q&A, the theme of sort of whiteness taking over what socialism means and what people assume socialism means. Um, And so when you connect that to something radical like the Black Panther Party, it changes the the narrative. It changes the perception we have of what socialism means and what it could mean. Um, So I share all this to simply say it felt so powerful to me to start a talk and ground it in the history of radical movement in Chicago as you're delivering a talk in Chicago. Absolutely. So I, I really appreciate that doing that, um, to start, you know, a conference session or, you know, whatever. And so I'm also thinking about that as like, just as a, as a practice. Absolutely. Um, So absolutely. I loved that. And I, I'm so glad that you brought up what he talked about, uh, how he talked about the Black Panther Party, right? And his naming of it as the most important socialist organization in the history of Chicago, because I think it's part of the reason why, I mean, there's, I don't disagree with that. And I think it's a profound charge and thought. And I think it's part of the reason why the Black Panthers have been studied so much, right? And have yeah. been researched so much and have been, you know, discussed so much, right? And and used as a model in this work. And so, um, I, I, yeah, it, it gave me a lot of pause in that section because this was towards the beginning of his of mm-hmm. his talk. Yeah. I mean, out the gate when he was talking about the Chicago Police Department being an urban gang, uh, I lost it there. But then absolutely the his talk about the Black Panther Party and Fred Hampton in particular, um, you know, and we've had some conversations here about um, yeah. uh, the, that entity and that man. Uh, and so I, I loved all of that, too. And, and you're right. It's interesting to think about the grounding of Chicago as this case study as they're in Chicago. I, I appreciated that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if I uh, switching gears a bit, I think one of the most compelling parts of Dr. Kelly's talk that I wanted to bring here and talk with you about was. Um, how he and his comrades and socialists sort of in general talk about socialism, right? So he spent yeah. some time 
discussing this in his speech and 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 how they talk about how to bring people on board with what socialism is and right. what it can do to get us to the place we need to be where where there's liberation for all of us right and you know for one thing i wanted to mention that i appreciated how he called out an organization that is doing this work really well he he gave a shout out to left roots um, which is an yep. organization that i hadn't heard of before mm-hmm. this talk so i'm excited to learn more about them and their work because he spoke very proudly about the work that they are doing. Um, You know, but I also think it was great to hear Robin talk about some of the critiques of socialism, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like how socialism and socialist states haven't always upheld democracy in the ways it should um, and how socialism often gets framed from the lens of consumption versus production, right? Um, And he was quick to call out how folks sometimes don't think about the other issues that are at play for real people who are a part of our society engage in the production of those goods that we consume, right? Mm-hmm. So thinking about things like accessible and good health care and proper working conditions for those folks and fair wages and food security and housing and education, right? Like all of these things are actually central to what he believes to be what socialism should be concerned about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we have to think about all of that when we're talking about our collective liberation as we do here, right? So Mm. I I just really appreciated sort of how he walked through that section and talked about sort of what socialism is and the power of it and the critiques of it and all and the like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I remember him talking about sort of the the common concept of the common discussion um particularly around uh socialism with like middle class people yes. um is like am i gonna lose my home and yes. it's like why, why why do we jump to that all like, the way to there what, yeah. what is you know what does that mean versus um or am i gonna be able to uh you know uh keep my home can i still have my nikes yes and he's like <laughs> but we never talk about as you said here we never talk about like what are the what are the conditions of the people who are making those Nikes for us yes. and thinking about that in an international lens too, mm. because those people um, are making those shoes at, you know, really low wages um, overseas yeah. in, in another country. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, yes, love that. Thanks for bringing that here. <laughs> um, so as we said, there was a brief question and answer section at the end of the talk. Yes. Um, yes and there was yes. this, really brilliant question um, about the South Mm. and socialism and the difficulty of having these kinds of conversations that they're having at this conference um, about socialism, about freedom dreams, when you're focused on your own survival. Yes. Um, And how these kinds of conversations and conferences are needed in the South in places like Texas and Louisiana and Alabama. and so the person who asked the question mentioned Ashley Henderson from the Highlander Center, um, and Dr. Car- Dr. Kelly shared that he knows that she knows that the South is where the most radical movements are, mm. um, and that it's so repressed because it's so radical. Right. Right. Like when we think about the South politically, we think about like all of the state governments, all of the like sort of federal politicians who are from there, the the national level politicians are from there who are so concerned with control and repression. Um, And he makes the argument that that is here, that is there. That's the perception because the South is radical. 
Right. Um, so it has to be they the these people in power have to feel like they have to repress that. Um, so I love this exchange. Yeah, me too. Um, because how because of how often the South gets written off because yeah. of that perception of of that repression and feeling like it's backwards and whatever. Um, and you know the reality is that's where a lot of radical movements are born. Right. Um, and he specifically mentions how people who are in the worst material conditions are the people, you know, the people who are really broke. They seem to be the people who can see how we get from their current situation, point A to point Z. Yes. The best, um, where we all have what we need. We, we have found, um, spaces and places to be liberated. Um, and, they see that and they, mm-hmm. they've, they know the ways to get there um, because they know the ways through the repression that they've been facing. Um, and so love that whole exchange, loved his thinking around that and bringing in like real people, real movement space and work um, from the South in that, in that discussion too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we were talking a little bit before we started recording about how awesome the Q and a was. And I sort yeah. of, just w- I wish the Q and A could have gone on forever, <laughs> like it, yeah, because huh. the the folks in that crowd were brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. And every single person, I think it was four folks, maybe who stood yeah. up. Um, they just had brilliant insights, both questions and just comments and sort of reflections on what Dr. Kelly shared and uh, and the work that they're doing. And so um, I I loved the Q and A. I uh, I just had this thought as you were talking about, you know how folks who are broke can see the path or the road from A to Z the best. And it just made me think of someone like Cori Bush, right? Mm, yeah. uh, right. As this elected, uh, what the U S representative from Missouri. Right. And, you know, she, you know, talks about her lived experience and living in her yeah. car and right. Like the, the things that she went through have made her who she is. And so, and it has, you know, given her insight in how to best represent the people that she is charged with representing, right? Because she yeah. can, she, 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 she knows those conditions, right? Um, and that experience. And so, yeah, I, <laughs> everything about yeah. the Q and A was mm-hmm. was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that anecdote about Cory Bush. Um, it also makes me think of um, Porter. Um, from California yes, and you know, the experiences that she's able to bring when she's talking to like executives of a bank yes. and like, yeah, that this isn't, this doesn't work. Man. This is not how it works. So the people who have those real lived experiences, um, you know, of eviction of, um, inflation, what, whatever it might be mm-hmm. having those people who have those experiences in those positions of power to talk about policy with these other people, like, it makes, I think it makes a difference and it, it, um, I don't know. It's something that matters. I think it matters. Absolutely. Um, Especially to, for us and those folks who represent us. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up the Q and a, I, I want to talk about something else that stood out to me, uh, that was obviously before the Q and a, since the Mm -hmm. Q and a was at the very end. end. Um, and I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, part of the of Robin's talk was about climate change and environmental Mm -hmm. justice. And I think it honestly stood out to me because we just read part of all we can save. Mm -hmm. Right. So we've been thinking about and talking about these issues uh, recently, but um, I also think part of some of his points around this aligns so well with um, obviously the parts we read of all we can save, but also with some of our conversations here at the table and away from this table. Um, So 
you know, I'm going to quote slash paraphrase him because I was trying to like pause it and <laughs> take yeah. notes. But, you know, he was just talking and it was great. So um, here's what he sort of said in this moment. He said, to go back to the climate catastrophe, it's certainly capitalism's doing mm. and it's gendered mm-hmm. and it's racial capitalism that situates us differently to the toxic environment and destruction wrought by the system. And so if we say, stop worrying about racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, ageism, ableism, if we, if you say we're going to stop doing that and instead say defend the earth uh, and then we'll all be able to live together, then the problem is we don't actually deal with the differential relationship because some of us are dying faster and sooner under the climate catastrophe than others. Mm-hmm. And that's something we have to attend to. Yep. Right. And I, I <laughs> blown away. I was that was so powerful to me. Right. And I think there are sort of two things I'm thinking of in this moment. One is I think what I took away from that and his thinking is that we have to tackle all of these issues simultaneously. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the stakes are just so damn high. Um, and so I, I I appreciated that. I think the other point I'm thinking about is um and I, I might have just lost it, right? Because it actually related back to one of the other things you said about the South. Um, mm-hmm. But then I jumped in about <laughs> broke people can see it all. So um, I just, that part in particular just moved me uh, yeah. in a way. And it just, again, um, to me, it spoke to the urgency of everything that we're experiencing and the work that needs to happen. Um, and we can't just focus on one thing. I get sort of that idea that like, well, if we, we have to solve the climate crisis. We have to save yeah. the earth. We're all living. We only get one earth. Um, but um, it, it that's not enough. Yeah, because of the differential impact, right? Yeah. Some of us are dying more quick, quickly than others. Um, and so it's, um, yeah, it's important to hold all of that in connection with each other. Yes. Um, as well. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about application, how this applies in our day-to-day lives. All right. Uh, So I want to share something um, that Dr. Kelly shared right at the very end of his talk, I believe. Um, Actually, I think it was, it was during the question answer answer section again. Um, So he was responding to a question about um, how you support socialist governments while also critiquing authoritarianism. Yes. Um, and the, the sort of tension um, that might be present in that for some folks. And he said this brilliant thing that I want to use for my application. He okay. said something like, you don't critique to seem like the smartest person in the room or to make someone feel bad or to make yourself feel good. He said, quote, you critique because our life depends on getting the right answers. Mm-hmm. And I yes. love that, um, you know, because our collective lives – our liberation depends on working together to find the right answers and connect that back to what you shared about the climate crisis. That is obviously correct. Like that's obviously connected. Um, but it's also connected in the ways that white supremacy shows up, that patriarchy shows up all these other things that limit our ability to live our lives. Yes. Those are all things that we have to, we, we critique because getting the answers right matters Mm. our lives depend on it um and so we go through experimentation and failure and critiquing one another both on sort of this interpersonal level but also well beyond that to you know organizationally systemically Systemically, etc etc um because all of it 
all of it is connected to the lives that we want to live and and where we want to go. Right. So, Oh, I love that. There's so many gems like Mm -hmm. that to me just highlights both with what I shared and what you shared, right? There's so many gems to take from Dr. Kelly. Uh, And that's right. Right. And that directly connects to how we feel about collective liberation. Yeah. Right. And how important it is. Um, Mm -hmm. And our lives depend on it. Absolutely. Um, I love that. Um, I think there's, there's so much in the way of application from this talk. Um, I, 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 want to go back to what I shared at the very beginning of our conversation today about mm. how Dr. Kelly really highlighted the intersections of socialism, right? Mm. And what socialism has the power to do with all of our biggest and grandest challenges that we face in our society right now, right? And so, you know, he, I think he really shared and highlighted so many great examples of how socialism impacts and plays a role in every single aspect of our society, right? And it just mm. reminds me that there's so much that stands in the way of our collective liberation, right? And I think this talk and uh, that in this talk, Dr. Kelly also reminds me and reminded me and hopefully others that there are solutions out there and ways to address the real issues that people are facing in our society, right? Mm -hmm. And that socialism provides a context and an analysis and a strategy to, you know, as he says towards the end of the talk, uh, I think right before the Q&A, he says, um, to engage in, quote, sustained creative aggression, right? Like that's what socialism is about, right? The mm-hmm. sustained creative aggression, right? To find the solutions that we need, right? And so yeah. I just think there's so much more that I'm excited to learn from Dr. Kelly and his work and yep. and work of others like him who are, are who are doing similar things. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, all right, let's talk about homework since all right. um, you, you already set us up for that. Um, so how are we going to continue to learn about this beyond our conversation today? Yeah. Um, and as you said, there are so many things that he referenced in here uh, in his talk. He talked about Olufemi Taiwo's book called Reconsidering Reparations. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend. Oh, yeah. We you know we read his, his book, Elite Capture, yes. um, earlier this year. He mentioned the Black Manifesto. He mentioned an organization called Left Roots, which you, you talked about earlier, yeah. um, which he said has found a beautiful way to talk about socialism. Right. Um, and then, of course, his own books are mentioned by the host slash moderator. Um, so there's Freedom Dreams, which is what this talk was really about. Um, Hammer and Ho, which he wrote before Freedom Dreams, that was about racial uh, labor organizing during the Great Depression. Um, and he also wrote a biography about Thelonious Monk. Yeah. Um, and so those are a few things that I guess I just want to list or name as potential homework um, to continue to learning. I, I love it. There's so much there. I mean, I think for me, the, the idea of um, listening to a talk like this based on his book, Freedom Dreams, which it has a sort of a, what do you call it, subtitle, The Black Radical Imagination. Mm-hmm. I mean, we must read that book. Yep. I, I need to read that book now. Um, and so I think that for sure is homework. And I just feel like there's so much more to learn about socialism and social movements and, and liberation work, particularly from Dr. Kelly, but all of the great folks and organizations that you met, you just mentioned and you mentioned at the start of this and we've talked about throughout. And so um, I, I, I want to do that. I think the other thing I thought, and I don't even know how we do this. Like, how do we get a ticket mm. to the socialism conference? Like you just buy it. We just have to buy it. And yeah, there's no special hey, thing. Hey market advertised it to us. Like we, we both 
received oh. emails. Oh, um, we probably did. I think our yeah our podcast email account received emails about it. Nice. So we just yeah. I think it'd be pretty dope to go. I yeah, mean, it'd in, be cool. In particular, thinking about the fact that we would be sitting amongst all of this like these these brilliant scholars, mm-hmm. um, but also like thinking about the folks in the room and the questions that were asked during the Q and A. It's like I want to talk to those folks too, yeah. right? So. I think it would be so dope to go to this conference. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah, that was on my mind too. Um, I love it. So nice. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, so um, that's it for today. But yeah. you're up next week. All right. Uh, Damien. So what are you bringing to the table in our next episode? I thought for like a second you forgot my name there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I am up next week. Uh, and my name is Damien. Uh, so for next week. Welcome. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to bring an article to the table for us. And uh, it is. I only found one article, but I am sure that as we start to engage with this piece, we might find other pieces uh, to work in conjunction with it. So we'll see about that. But uh, this article is called What Will Happen in Georgia? Millennial and Gen Z Voters Have Serious Power in the South. Uh, and it's by Ronald Brownstein, uh, and it's featured in The Atlantic. And, and Ronald Brownstein is a senior editor for The Atlantic and also a uh, senior political analyst for CNN, just mm. that little old network. Yeah. Um and so if folks want to check this out with us, you can find it on The Atlantic, uh, and it actually just came out earlier this month. And so um, I, I'm excited to read this article and talk about it because, and I, and I, you and I have had a conversation about this, I, I wanted to bring a piece like this to the table because we are literally in the middle of midterm election season right now, mm-hmm. right? And we've talked uh, so much about the importance and the power and the impact of voting in this country. And about things like voting rights and voter suppression and democracy and the like, right? So um, I'm just super excited to talk about this piece, whatever else comes to mind as we sort of engage in a conversation about this. Um, and as we we gear up to vote in the next coming weeks, I'm probably going to maybe early vote. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. um, by the time this comes out, uh, we'll be in the thick of it. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I think particularly um, I'm interested. I'm super interested in reading this piece. Um particular particularly about Georgia and you know the south and yes. um and whatnot but I think the context of this election occurring in a uh, post Dobbs world oh. um carries a lot of weight so the, you know there's stuff like Kentucky um, has a, a potential constitutional amendment that would basically allow the 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 state of Kentucky to permanently ban, um, abortion in their state constitution. Yep. Um, and so there's a lot of things happening like that across the country. And um, so, yeah. And that, here we yeah. are. We're here going we are. to the polls, right? Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's lots of ways that the right, I think, is trying to um, suppress our vote um, collectively. Um, and I, I mean our in the broadest sense of our. Absolutely. So, yeah, super important. Excited to talk about that um, here next week. Fantastic. All right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm going to ask you to do, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and a review, share our podcast with anybody and everybody in your life. Uh, Follow us on social media, sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next week. That's right, we will. 